Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right, Acts chapter 21. If you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Acts. Now it came to pass that when we had departed from them and set sail, running a straight course, we came to Kos the following day to Rhodes, and from there to Petra, and finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we, we had sighted Cyprus, we passed it on the left, sailed to Syria, and landed at Tyre. For there, the ship was to unload her cargo. Father, we thank you for the morning. We again thank you for the freedoms we have. We do not know how long this is going to last. This is just reality. They are coming after Christians. This is not about the Constitution. This is about our Bible, our beliefs, our Christianity. And so, Lord, help us to be strong in these days we're living in. Help us not to turn to the right or to the left, but to stay straight, focused, looking to heaven, looking to the word for our answers, that you will be glorified. Lord, I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we left off with Paul leaving Miletus and the Ephesian elders making his way towards Jerusalem as he was finishing up his third missionary journey. And he spent the last four years, 53 to 57, these are the original 50s, ministering to those young churches that the Holy Spirit had established during Paul's previous missionary journeys. So now in verses 4 through 6, and finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. They told Paul through the Spirit, notice this, very important, the Holy Spirit. Again, if you're new to the Word of God, um, it's very important that you look at your verses as you read them, you look at the words, and when you see a capital S there, even though it doesn't say holy in front of it, that is in reference to the Holy Spirit. King James Version, Holy Ghost. They told Paul through the Holy Spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. When we had come to the end of those days, we departed and went on our way. And they all accompanied us with wives and children till we were out of the city. And we knelt down on the shore and prayed. When we had taken our leave of one another, we boarded the ship and they returned home. Two things I notice in these verses. First, Paul sought out like-minded believers so that he might enjoy some fellowship. He didn't just hang around with the boys from the ship and do some sightseeing, but rather he made his voyage back to Jerusalem. He's heading back to Jerusalem, count, and he took the time to encourage the believers as he went. You see, as the ship was unloading and reloading its cargo, Paul spent the next seven days with these believers. You see, it's a great time of use of time, but for you and I, it's a great example as well. You see, as we read what was happening to our world as well as our culture here in America, as I read to you, I really believe that once a week is not going to help you survive what's coming upon America. We're not into uh, cultish practices. We're not into legalism. We're not into any of that. So please throw that out right away. We're into relationships. We're into relationships. Relationship vertical and relationship horizontal. 
in the days that we're coming into the next four years, however this plays out with the election, is going to be very, very hard for you as a Bible-believing Christian. It's going to be very, very hard. And I would encourage you not to try to do it on your own. You see, there's no doubt that Christianity is under attack and is going to continue to increase. You see, those who endure to the end, what would that be? Well, possibly to the rapture or to your death. There is going to be an end. Everybody's going to die. Nobody gets out of here alive. So for those who endure to the end will be those who are willing to forsake fear. Now, don't think mask. This has nothing to do with mask. Think bigger. This is about our Christian faith, guys. Our Christian faith is being attacked. So this has nothing to do with mask. Will, those, will be those who are willing to forsake fear and embrace the faith. So that's the question you really need to start asking yourself on a regular basis. Do I embrace the faith or am I just playing church? Do I come on Sunday, punch the clock, and then live the rest of the week any way I want to live it? No, we need to embrace the faith. Let's look at Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And again, if you're new or visiting, we highly encourage you to have a Bible, to pick the Bible up, to follow along the Word of God. Since we have the whole counsel of God, we know that persecution is going to take place for true Bible-believing Christians. I do not believe in the Christian fiction, the health and wealth, the blab-it-grab-it nonsense that's been taking place over the last 20 years. It is totally unscriptural. Matthew 24, this is Jesus speaking now to his disciples, and his disciples asked him about the temple and what's going to happen here in Jerusalem and what's going to happen in the last days. So Jesus addresses that in 24. We're just going to look at these, first, these five verses. So Jesus says to his disciples, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. I don't hear any health and wealth there, do you? I don't see any blab it and grab it. Confess it, possess it. You won't find that in the scriptures. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. They were hated. Matter of fact, they estimate in the first 300 years of the church, the Bible-believing Christian church, they estimate, they don't know for sure, but they estimate up to 5 million Christians were martyred. Up to 5 million Christians died for their faith. They were not loved. They were hated. And that's why they were tortured and killed. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. So we could look at this as that time, because that did happen in that time. But could this also happen throughout history? And it has. But think about what Jesus just said there. You will be hated by all nations. All nations. Were the disciples hated by all nations? No, Christianity was not around for every nation. Now Christianity is around the world. All nations have heard of it or or get some kind of grasp of it. God is reaching out to their heart. So I personally believe this is applicable to the last days. Verse 11, Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And that is taking place even within Christianity under the banner of Christianity, hey, it's okay to live together. It's okay to have sex outside of marriage. 
It's okay to drink. Oh, it's okay to do drugs. Uh, It's okay to get married, same-sex marriage. Matter of fact, there's some churches under the banner of Christianity, so I don't want to call them Christian churches, but there are some churches under the Christian banner that actually say, believe and teach and practice that they're going to ordain homosexuals, lesbians, to oversee the word of God, to teach the word of God. And they have no issue marrying same-sex couples. Is that the truth? No, not at all. Not at all. So many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. That's happening in our society today. That earlier what I shared with you about that little eight-year-old, is that little eight-year-old deceived? Hello? Just a little bit. And I personally think the mother should be arrested for child abuse. And any adult that tells a little child they're confused about their identity should be arrested for child abuse. Not the other way around. But, if you guys haven't heard this before, this is taking place around our earth, around our world. If a child comes to you at 14, 15, your son, your daughter comes to you at 14, 15, 16 years old and says, I want to identify now as the opposite sex, and you say no, governments have come in, taken the child out of the home, and said you are an unfit parent, and that parent has lost custody of that child. That is actual fact in this earth. And it is coming to a state near you. It will come to America. You will be classified as a Christian, as an unfit parent, and you are harming this child's mental abilities. You are causing this child physical, mental abuse. Is that twisted or what? But that's the God of this world. I mean, should we be surprised? That is the God of this world. Verse 12 And because lawlessness will abound. Guys, get ready. Start talking to your teenagers and adult children about this. They've already said if Biden wins, or if if Trump wins, they're going to burn America. There's going to be riots in every single major city in America. They've already planned it out. They're going to do it. That's reality. It's grieving to us. We might think, well, that'll never happen. Have Have any of you thought what would happen in Seattle and Portland ever happened in America? And it's still going on. Three, four months ago, you all would have said, oh, that'll never happen in America. And here we are. How many days? Like 110 days still? No, it's taking place. And because lawlessness will abound, here's the key point for you and I today. The agape of many will grow cold. That word love there is not phileo, brotherly love. Eros, erotic love. Storge, family love. That word there is agape love. For God so agape the world. That's agape love. Unconditional, selfless, committed love. So as we're going down this road, you and I as Christians, and we start to get persecuted because of our faith, we have to guard our hearts that we don't become cold, hard, and hateful towards those who are going to arrest us, who are going to persecute us, who are going to threaten us via social media or any other way to get us to back down. Guys, have you noticed that's what it's all about, cancel culture? If you don't agree with me, I'm going to get you to back down. I'm going to come at you personally. I'm going to come at you over social media, and I will destroy your name, and I will destroy your reputation. That's, that's the real threat that's taking place. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Philippians 1, if you'd like to turn there, I'm going to read that in the New Living Translation, so you might just want to listen and write it down, because it's kind of hard when you, for me anyways, 
when somebody's reading a different translation, I'm trying to read it out of mine. I don't get anything out of it. So anyways, Philippians 1.27, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Did you hear that? If you haven't registered, it's not too late. They extended registration. You can still register to vote. If you're saying, I'm not going to vote, <laughs> you really need to pray about that with what's going on in this world. Yes, we are citizens of heaven, but we're also citizens of America, and we have a freedom to vote. Do you realize 25 million, 25 million evangel- uh, uh, Christians, I'll just say that, 25 million Christians did not vote in 2016. 25 million Christians did not vote in 2016. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. What's the good news? The gospel. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing side by side. Guys, we need each other more and more as the day approaches. As wickedness abounds, we need each other more and more. Not separating, but coming together. Fighting together for the faith. This is not guns and bullets. This is the Holy Spirit giving us strength to endure whatever's going to come upon us. And you'll see how this is going to tie in in a few minutes. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. I believe Stephen had a direct impact on Saul when Saul was watching him stoned. Stephen asked for forgiveness for those who are stoning him. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. You won't find this in too many promise books, right? You won't find this in the Christian fiction channel. But this is reality. This is reality. You have the privilege of trusting in Christ, but you also have the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. As we look back in Acts, the second thing I notice is that it appears that there might be a contradiction here in dealing with the Holy Spirit. Notice in verse 4, they told Paul, they told Paul through the Holy Spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. Was Paul not listening to those who were warning him about the upcoming trip? Did Paul not understand what these people were saying here? Look at verses uh, 22 through 24 in chapter 20, Acts 20. Let's remember what Paul just shared in Acts 20, 22. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of those things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel, the grace of God. Now think about the big picture. Remember when Jesus appeared to Saul and Saul shared his testimony? Jesus told him, you're going to suffer and you're going to appear before kings, magistrate, rulers. Up to this point, that has not happened in Paul's life. So now Paul knows he's to go to Jerusalem. He knows there's going to be trials and tribulations. He doesn't know ultimately where it's going to end him up. 
but he's listening to the Holy Spirit because he knows, well, I haven't addressed kings yet, so God must have something in store for me. He wasn't necessarily being hard-headed, arrogant, unwilling to listen. He had just personally heard from God, and he knew that he knew that he knew, I have to go to Jerusalem. I have to. Very, very important. You see, the Holy Spirit was active in the life of Paul. And he was totally aware via the Holy Spirit that even though he didn't know what trials awaited him, he knew that he was supposed to go. Yet we see from others that they believed, Christians, well-meaning Christians, that the Holy Spirit was telling Paul not to go. I believe that as he was traveling towards Jerusalem, the Spirit was confirming through others what he already knew, that he would suffer at the hands of his fellow Jews in Jerusalem. So I do not see this as a contradiction involving the Holy Spirit, but rather a confirmation. Paul knew, and they were confirming, Paul, you are going to suffer. Paul knew that danger lay ahead, but others in their minds were trying to warn him and persuade him not to go. You know, there's a really good example of this similar situation is when Jesus told the disciples that he was going up to Jerusalem, where the chief priests would have him crucified, but rise the third day. They didn't hear the rise part. They just heard the crucifixion. And in Matthew 16, we read this. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. (laughs) Only Peter could do this. Saying, far be it from you, Lord. Now, if Jesus is Lord, you don't tell your master what he should do and not do. But Peter thought he knew better. This shall not happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) Wow, thank you. (laughs) I thought my name was Peter. You are an offense to me. Ouch, double slap. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You see, Paul knew beyond any doubt that God had a plan for his life and he was willing to follow that plan. Paul, who's been a Christian for over 20 years now, was attentive to the Spirit and knew that the Spirit had told him to go to Jerusalem, so he was going to go. And what was the outcome of the trip? Eventually it meant imprisonment, which some looking back at this time would probably have said, see, I was the one who told him he shouldn't go via the Holy Spirit. See? But that was God's plan or God's will for Paul's life. And through that imprisonment, Let's look at Philippians chapter 1. Through that imprisonment, the Roman guards who were constantly rotating while watching or guarding Paul were coming to know Jesus as their Savior. You see, Paul knew, I have to go to Jerusalem. I'm not being hard-headed. I'm not being arrogant. I'm not being prideful. I just know I have to go to Jerusalem. As Paul writes from the jail a Roman jail, Philippians. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. You see, we have the whole council, so we can read it and go, oh yeah, that's obvious. But is it obvious in your life what you're going through, that you're going to put your head down and say, no, God's called me to be a Christian. 
God has not called me to compromise. God has called me to stay true to the word of God. And your family members are coming against you and friends are coming against you and social media is coming against you. But have you determined in your heart, I am not turning to the right or to the left? See, Paul was determined. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard. Now, did Paul know that when he was going to Jerusalem? He didn't know that. But as he fulfilled the will of God in his life, now it became aware to him why God wanted him to go to Jerusalem and why God wanted him arrested and why he's in prison. Because guards are coming to know Jesus as their Savior. And to all the rest that my chains are in Christ, not in Rome. You see, this is not about the Constitution. And if our white rights get taken away, this is not about the Constitution. This is about the Word of God. Can they take Jesus from you? No. Can they take the Holy Spirit out of you? No. Can they take your Bible? Yeah. But if you've been memorizing scriptures, they can't take that. That's why you need to meditate and memorize scriptures. They, did, did Paul have a Bible in, in, the king, in the prison here? Paul didn't have a Bible. He was quoting scriptures from memory and leading these guys to Christ. And most of the brethren, notice in verse 14, notice most, not all, most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident in my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And guys, this is an example for me. As I share with Claudia and we talk about it, and she says, stop saying that. Stop saying that. I'm not going to stop saying it. Because I have to prepare my heart. Because I'm not going to stop teaching the word of God. And it's going to cost me to be arrested. And Pastor Al at our staff meeting said, well, I guess then I'll be arrested. Actually, Pastor Durrell, if I die, is going to take my spot. So Pastor Durrell is going to be arrested. And then Pastor Al will be arrested. And then Pastor Joseph will be arrested. Well, we haven't made a pastor yet, but Joseph will be arrested. And if anybody else wants to get arrested, somebody's going to have to step up and fill this spot. Guys, this is reality. I'm not being theatrical here. This is reality. It's coming. Are you ready to step up in the Sunday school and keep teaching the children when teachers are hauled off this campus for teaching? Are you willing to go over there and say, no, oh, you took them? Oh, well, too bad. I'm right here, and I'm going to teach them Genesis. I'm going to teach them that God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man should leave his father and mother. Science proves that children need a father and a mother. You can leave your father and mother be joined to your wife. Oh, yeah, I'll go over there and do that. You might get arrested. That's okay. I'm willing to die for Jesus. Have you made that commitment? If you haven't, I encourage you to start praying about it. Philippians 4.22 says... All the saints greet you. Notice this. I mean, this is just incredible. Who would think this? I wouldn't have thought this. But if I go to prison, I don't need a Bible. I'm going to start quoting the Bible and teaching the Bible. Might get beat up. Whatever. If it leads one person to Christ, wouldn't you be excited about that? I would be excited about that. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household, guys. Caesar's household. The guy that runs the whole empire... His household, people in the household are getting saved. Did Paul know that was going to happen? No. Did those who were discouraging Paul from going to Jerusalem know that was going to happen? No. But Paul had heard, and maybe you've heard something, 
and you haven't fulfilled it yet because you're afraid. You're afraid of family. You're afraid of friends. You're afraid of social media. Well, I, I felt I was called, and many of you have heard this, but we have new people here. I felt called. I worked for 12 and a half years at Motorola. In 95, I left Motorola, took a half a cut in pay and no benefits, no health insurance for 10 years. But I knew that I was called, and my wife knew as well because we prayed together on a regular basis. 18 months prior to that, Claudia said, no, I don't think it's the right time. Holy Spirit dwells in her. I go, praise God, okay. I'm going to keep working at Motorola. And then when another opportunity came along, I went to her and she, we prayed about it. She goes, yeah, yeah, I think it's time. And we stepped out. My self-made millionaire brother called me. So you're an idiot. What are you doing? You've got children. Really? I didn't notice that. <laughs> so first and last time he's really called me. I, so you see, I'm the 60-year-old baby of the family. How many of you are babies of the family? Yeah, what do you know? Nothing. Okay, whatever. You know what? I'm going to serve Jesus. Notice what happens here. You never know who we're going to touch by your ministry. God's called you to a ministry. Maybe you're in college. Well, I can't go leave college. I'm not asking you to leave college. Pray about your ministry because there's people that need Jesus at that college. In your workplace, there's people that need Jesus. After work, you're not paid to evangelize. After work, but you can evangelize through your walk. They can see you're different. And that you actually punch out on time and leave, leave on time. And you actually take 10-minute breaks instead of going and sitting in the toilet for a half hour. It's amazing. You don't think people notice that stuff? I worked. People notice that stuff. Hey, where's so-and-so? I don't know. I went to the bathroom about a half hour ago. Okay. All right. I'm going to make a mental note of that as well as a physical note. There goes his review. All right. Verses 8 through 10. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea. Now, if you've been to Israel, right now your mind is going back to that beautiful seaport. Caesarea. It's real. It's still there. The seaport isn't. But over time, it's eroded. But it's still there. Caesarea is still there. And entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now, this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. It's been close to 25 years since we last seen Philip. Philip was one of the original seven deacons of the early church. If you remember, he was picked to be a deacon because he was a good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and showed wisdom in his life. He and the other six were to wait on tables ministering to the needs of the widows, Acts chapter 6. When we, then we saw Philip in Samaria where he was used by God to preach the gospel. He also ministered to the people through miracles of physical healings as well as delivering people from demon possession. A revival broke out in which Peter and John came to the area to minister as well, Acts chapter 8. We then see Philip head down towards Gaza area where he ministered to an Ethiopian eunuch. After the eunuch received Jesus as his savior, Philip baptized him in water and then headed up the coast towards Caesarea. Again, you'll find that in Acts 8. So now we find Philip settled down in Caesarea, a family man. So you see, there's different callings at different times of your life. Maybe you're called to be a missionary, then later on you'll get married. Who knows? Maybe you're married and you're both called into missions. The word of, you know, our calling will never contradict the word of God, though. We'll get to that. Philip is still being used by the Lord by bringing up children in the ways of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, you're very familiar with these, so I'm just going to read them quickly for time's sake. Hero Israel... 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, not just head, in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You see, guys, men, especially men, women, I think, do this, but men, you fathers or you young men who are going to be husbands and fathers one day, you need to make sure that you know the word of God and that you take the word of God to your children and grandchildren. We went on a trip yesterday. We went to Payson and took uh, four grandkids hiking. That was exciting. And um, one of the grandchildren is, are, is not being raised in the church, totally unfamiliar with the church. And so it's our opportunity to plant seeds and to water and to fertilize. And, and as we're walking along, taking time, well, wow, isn't this cool? What, look what God did. And look at how God does this. And God is so good, isn't he? Man, God's incredible. And by the time we were leaving, he was then saying those same things. Because children are what? Obviously very impressionable. And we weren't deceiving him like some people are deceiving children. We were teaching him the truth and he freely accepted the truth. And now he's proclaiming the truth. So guys, as parents, it's our responsibility to do what? To invest. You see, Philip and his wife had invested scriptural time into their family and it was producing fruit. Man, this is so important for you to do this. Your children need to see that dad takes a stance for the word of God. But what I find even more interesting about the situation is that Philip knew the apostle Paul when he was Saul, think about this, a Pharisee. It was Saul who stood guard over those who were stoning his friend Stephen to death. Yet there's a a unity now. And there's no mention of his past failings. Even though Paul reminded that was even though Paul remained with Philip for many days. You see, Philip extended grace. Grace was received. Philip received grace, and now he's extending grace. And it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that you could invite someone into your house who basically killed a close friend of yours. Think about this. So 25 years ago, somebody killed your best friend, shot him, knifed him, drowned him, whatever the case may be. They literally killed your best friend. You've come to know Jesus But now 25 years later, the same person comes, knocks on your door. Hey, I know Jesus. And Philip had heard about Saul's transition. Philip had heard about Paul. So he knew it was real. And Philip welcomed him into his house with his four virgin daughters. Would we be able to do that? Would I be able to do that? No. Through the Holy Spirit? Yes. Through the Holy Spirit? Yes. Philippians 3 says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. You know, maybe you're sitting here today and you have bitterness in your heart towards somebody. Maybe you have anger in your heart. Maybe you have revenge in your heart. Maybe your heart's been really hurt. And it's causing you a lot of pain. Maybe even to the point of depression. It's affecting you physically, mentally, spiritually. You have to forgive. That's a biblical principle and that's the only way you will be able to get over what you're trying to get over. 
That doesn't mean that you condone. That doesn't mean that you don't put up healthy boundaries. We need to do that sometimes. But we need to forgive. Because if we don't forgive, we are the one that pays the cost. We are the one that pays the cost. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Back in Acts And as we stayed there many days, a certain prophet Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, thus says the Holy Spirit. So again, these are honest Christians. These are people that love Jesus. I'm not mocking them. I'm not saying they're wrong. They were sincere, but Paul had a calling on his life, and he had to fulfill that calling, even though these people really believed that the Holy Spirit was telling them to say this. So, okay, do you understand that? So it's not like they're bad people trying to persuade Paul to do something he shouldn't do. They were sincere Christians. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns his belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. You see, Agabus was one of those Old Testament kind of guys. Dramatic in his approach and presentation, but mild when compared to Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. For the sake of time, I'm just going to read this one verse in Isaiah chapter 20, verse 3. Actually, verse 2. And at the same time, the Lord spoke by Isaiah, the son of Amos, saying, Go and remove the sackcloth from your body and take your sandals off your feet. And so Isaiah did so. Praise God. You guys know what sackcloth is? It's when you do those sack races at a church picnic. It's burlap. Burlap, it's really itchy. So Isaiah's been wearing itchy burlap. And so he took that off. What do you want me to do now, God? I want you to walk around naked and barefoot. Thank God for the New Testament. (laughs) Then the Lord said, Just as my servant Isaiah has walked naked and barefoot three years for a sign and a wonder against Egypt and Ethiopia. (laughs) It's like, thank you, Jesus. You'd be arrested. Well, maybe not in America. But anyways, you should be arrested. Verse 12, though, a gasp takes place in the room. There's this big, (gasps) including who? Including Luke. Notice what he says. Luke's writing this. Now, when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Don't go. Again, never forget the calling of God upon your life no matter what anyone else may think. It's all about serving Jesus and obeying his commands. And again, God will never ask you to do something that would contradict scripture. So you always want to go back to the word of God. Then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? Notice this. Again, Paul wasn't cold and hard and calloused, bullheaded. I'm going. He's going, you're you're breaking my heart. Maybe he was even saying, I don't really want to go, but God's called me to go, so I have to go. For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we cease saying, the will of the Lord be done. Well, let's look at this a little bit. Maybe well-intentioned people have encouraged Paul not to go to Jerusalem, and maybe even today there are those who will discourage others from doing what God has called them to do. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's becoming a foreign missionary. Maybe it's from quitting a well-paying job to go into ministry. Maybe it's for being a stay-at-home mom. 
Who knows? Maybe it is from leaving a certain church because you were born and raised in that church or denominations. And if you're new to the area, this is Mormonville. And we don't bash other churches, but this is Mormon doctrine. If you convince, if the Holy Spirit uses you to convince a Mormon to come out of Mormonism, they've left the faith and they are damned. That's Catholic teaching. That's Mormon teaching. That's Islam. That's Jehovah Witness. That's religion. That's religion. You're damned if you leave. If you come to Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have a relationship, you no longer need the church, you're damned. That's not scriptural, but that's what they want to do. So we want to make sure that we are following God and listening to God's voice. So how can I know that? First and foremost, be in the Word of God. Got to go quickly here. Be in the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. The Word of God will never contradict itself. Well, I think it's okay for me and my boyfriend to live together. Just pull it down maybe a little bit, Elliot. It's okay for me and my boyfriend to live together. No, it's not. That's unscriptural. It's okay to have sex outside of marriage. No, it's not. It's unscriptural. So you know beyond the shadow of a doubt, by reading the word of God, by reading the real, you're going to know what the fake is. And then you don't do the fake because you know the real. Okay? So being in your Bible, how else can I know the will of God? Praying. And you might say, duh. I know. I know. But do you pray on a regular basis? Now you might not be saying, duh. Do you pray on a regular basis to know the will of God? Not just always this, that. No, God, let me know your will. Do you sincerely pray? Then maybe seek counsel from other Bible-believing Christians to make sure that, okay, I am in the Bible. I'm not taking anything out of context. I'm not taking out of my bullheadedness just something that I want to do no matter what anybody else says. You're in line with other counselors, Christian counselors. So those are three ways that you can know the will of God. And then step out in faith. It's been 25 years, 25 plus years that we stepped out in faith. Wife has been alongside me the whole time. She never looked at me once and said, I told you not to do that. Never. Because we were in agreement spiritually because we pray together to this day on a regular basis. The two shall become one. The two shall become one. So even if you want to know what God wants you to do in your marriage, are you praying together as a marital couple? so that the enemy cannot come between the two of you and look at the other person and say, I told you so. No, 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 no. He told us to do it. We're moving forward. Because who knows if this might reach the President of the United States. Sounds weird, right? And I don't plan on ever doing that. But did Paul plan on standing in front of Caesar? Jesus said, you're going to. So yes, he was. God hasn't said that to me, so I'm not planning on that. But he has told me, teach the word of God no matter what. And that's what we're going to do around here. Just keep teaching the word of God. Father, we thank you and praise you. This is not out of pride or arrogance or any of that nonsense. This is just out of your word. We see a country, a country that is just going absolutely crazy from the top down, proclaiming just these ludicrous things. Father, help us to pray and to intercede on behalf of those around us. We're not going to most likely have an influence on Congress or Senate or the President, but there's six or eight or ten people around us that might not know Jesus. We can have an influence on them. And when this all comes down, they're going to be looking at us going, what does the Bible say about this? Are we in the last days? Is this the tribulation? Is this the mark of the beast? 
Will we have the answer for them? Will we know the scriptures? Will we be able to take them to the scriptures? Father, help us to get ready. This is it. This is it. Your son's coming home for his bride, the church. And then all hell is going to break out with the great tribulation. So help us this week, Lord, to be filled with your Holy Spirit. We cannot do these things in and of ourselves. Even as we just read, we need more of your Holy Spirit to battle all of these things that come into our lives and to also share the gospel. Fill us, Father, with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, your parents' faith is not going to get you into heaven. Let me say it very clear. If you don't have Jesus and you know you're a sinner, because you are a sinner, if you don't know it, I'll tell you right now, you're a stinking little sinner, you're going to hell. That's what the Bible says. You need to have your own faith. If you're, if you're old enough to know right from wrong and you choose to do wrong, that means you're a sinner. And you need Jesus as your Savior. Come up after the service and receive Jesus as your Savior. Whether you're 8 or 9 or 10, or whether you're in your 80s, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, come up after the service and receive Jesus as your Savior. Let's all stand, guys. God bless you. Come out Wednesday night. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church, how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.